presence in our lives. He is there for us. He is there to help us in challenging times and in the uncertain times. How do we stand? It's not on our own, but it's by God and by his wisdom, which so many times it's very hard for us to see and to understand. We just don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to us. From our perspective and from our experiences, it just doesn't make sense. And in those times, it's very important that we rely on God, even if we don't understand, that we rely on the wisdom of God. You, like many people, might like a mystery. If you read books, do you read mysteries? The, the benefit of reading a mystery is you're given these different facts, but they don't all come together. There's something you don't know, or there's a perspective that you don't see. The author's crafted it where you can't quite understand it. And as you go through, you have that tension build. And then there's that resolution as all the clues fall into place. And uh, the writer helps you see all the different things that he's told you and hinted at and how they come together. Many people like mysteries because at some point it all comes together and they get it. It all makes sense. Many times in a Christian walk, we feel like we're living in the midst of a mystery. We have clues, but it just doesn't seem to work out in what we're seeing and what we're experiencing. And no doubt the Ephesians might, must have felt that way. They might have even been asking Paul, why are you in prison? I mean, you have a ministry to reach out to, to the world and, and you're in prison. Why are you there? Why would God permit such a thing to happen? It very likely was a great mystery to them. And in this par paragraph, Paul's going to explain his situation. And in doing so, he's going to explain one of those great truths about Christian living and about the mystery of the church, who we are and what we're about. He's going to show us things about the church that, that have been hidden through the ages, that even the heavenly beings didn't even grasp or understand. Paul explains this mystery, and it's all about unity, how the Gentiles, the Jews are united together. In Ephesians 3, 1, Paul begins this section by saying, for this reason, I, and that for this reason points back to what we talked about last week, about that dividing wall of hostility where the Gentiles could go no further in coming in to worship God. And, and God, through Jesus, broke down that middle wall of, of hostility that separated people. And he, he, set, he broke down the wall between us and God so that we could be in relationship with him. But he also broke down the wall between Jew and non-Jew, between Jew and Gentile. And so we're all being built together to become a dwelling place in which God and his living spirit dwells. But for those listening and hearing about Paul's situation, it has every appearance of being a bad circumstance. Because Paul is a prisoner he is in prison, and it has to be one of those dark days, those dark valleys. Many of you have read or heard people talk about the psychotherapist Viktor Frankl and, and, how, and his concepts after the Holocaust and his experiences. One of the things that he teaches and talks about and writes about is that people can endure any what as long as they have a why. I mean, they can endure what's happening as long as they have a why is this happening. 
And this might be a little bit of what the Ephesians were struggling with, is, is they didn't have a why for this. Why would God let this happen? Paul suffered greatly for his outspoken faith. And he describes all the things that he walked through. But here he's going to say, I am a prisoner for your sake, Gentiles, for, for you. Paul could persevere in the midst of this because he had the why for the suffering. He knew why he was going through this, and it was for their sake, so others could come to know him. And so he says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's what I'm captured by. <laughs> it's not a location, and it's not a circumstance. It's all about the why. And wouldn't you like to have that kind of confidence as you walk through life? When you go through the what's of life, you have a why? I'm not captured by this. I have a greater purpose. And regardless of my circumstances, those circumstances are simply a proving ground for God's presence and his great mercy and his great love in my life. There is more than this. And for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, verse 10, tells us, we're going to skip down to verse 10 because to me it's, this is the verse that captures me from this section. And in verse 10 he says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He says, we want to see God's wisdom. And so all that's going on here is to better understand God's wisdom, how he sees things differently. A test for you. I'm fixing to show a picture. If you know what this is, just yell out the word. Ladies, anybody? Come on. It's a manifold. Intake or exhaust? <laughs> it's an exhaust manifold. It's on a car. I know all about it. Just ask me. No, I don't know much. I, I forgot there was even an intake manifold until I Googled a picture. So there, it's a part of a car. And this is the exhaust manifold. It takes all that, that heat from the motor, and it comes out the different valves, and, and it takes it, and it puts it together out your exhaust. It takes all that needs to pass through, and there's so much that needs to go. It, it's a manifold. There are many ways for this to go into the exhaust system. And Paul describes the wisdom of God as being the manifold wisdom of God. There are many facets to it that help carry it out. It's also used to describe pictures or flowers or garments. This, it's a similar word that was used in the Septuagint to describe Joseph's coat of many colors. It had many outlets, many colors that you could see. And so the wisdom of God is manifold. It, it, it's, it's more than just one little thing. It's a tapestry where you can see the many tinted colors of God's wisdom. And it's different. It has different modes. It has different characteristics. It, it is something greater than just one thing. So with that concept in mind, this wisdom of God that, it, that is so multifaceted, let's go back and walk through the, te the text and see how this wisdom applies to the different people we find in the text. Back up in verse 2. This wisdom of God had a great impact on Paul and his ministry. Not in just one way, but that wisdom of how Paul, God is using Paul is multifaceted. I mean, if you know the story of Paul, you can see how that's so true. Verse 2. 
Paul writes, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. And Paul says this mystery has been, you've heard about it, I've talked to you about it. It's been given to me for you. So Paul's saying what I have gone through, my, my journey, my, my upbringing, my training, my coming to Jesus and when I did and the light that shone and how he directed me and what's taken place afterwards. What's happened to me is God's wisdom for you. I mean, it's all about you. After all, if, if salvation was just for our benefit, what are we doing here? Why is God not taking us home? I mean, God just left us here to see if we'd stumble and fall if we could make it to the end? No, God's left us here for a purpose. That salvation he's given us breaks down that wall between us and him so we can live with him forever. But we're also here to break down that wall between us and others and to let others come into that relationship. What God is doing in us and through us and has been doing in us is not just to bless us, it's, it's to bless others as well. And so God wants to use all those experiences for the blessing of others. That's what the church is all about. Church, we have a lot of life experiences. They're not just to be held tightly. We need to serve others. We need to be good stewards of what God is doing. Verses, verse 4 and 5. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And here's that mystery. Others weren't ready to receive this insight into the unity of all God's believers. They just weren't ready. Jews weren't ready and, and likely Gentiles as well. But this is that mystery. And God's using Paul and Paul's experiences to help that mystery to become clear. So that wisdom of God certainly impacted Paul in his ministry. But it also had a great impact on the Gentiles. Verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. See, not only did Christ save them as sinners, he also reconciled them with his people, with the Jews, both Jew and Gentile. It's a wonderful relationship with each other. And what great news. They are co-heirs. They share those riches together. They are fellow members of the body of Christ. Verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Boundless riches. What a beautiful, beautiful concept. I mean, you can't... You can't... They're boundless. You try and trace the riches of God and you want to find their end, you can't find it. It's unfathomable, it's boundless, it's, it has no ending. And yet Paul makes it very clear that he doesn't have any special claim to that. He considered himself the least of the, all the Lord's people. I am the least of all the Lord's people. And yet this grace was given to me. I, I was reading about Paul, and uh, in Latin, Paul's name means little 
And, uh, and so many times he talks of himself as being the worst of all sinners, or the least of the apostles, or the least of the Lord's people. In other words, God's wisdom doesn't make us great and more important than other people. Understanding the deep truths of God's word doesn't give us a big head. What it does is it gives us a broken and contrite heart that wants to reach out to other people and to share with them that boundless grace, that boundless riches that are found in Christ. What a beautiful thought. And that wisdom and that, that unfathomable part of that wisdom and, and glory of God's mercy certainly impacted the Gentiles. But that wisdom also impacted in a very unique way the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I find this very fascinating. Verse 9, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. There is an element of unity that Christ brings to all the people in the church that was just not understood before. I mean, on this side of it, we kind of get a better picture of it. But before, it just wasn't understood. So with that concept in mind, look at verses 10 and 11. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is using us, the church, to teach about the unity of all people. The church is an example, and the church is preparation for what is to come. And in heaven, we will find that unity. And so for even the heavenly beings who didn't really grasp, he, he says now this is what the church does. It, helps, it should help all see. The church is meant to reflect the many-sided wisdom of God. And first, that is, reconciliation is made possible with God. We can do this because of Jesus Christ. But the reconciliation of man to man is also made possible. And this is very important. I mean, through the church, the wisdom of God should be made known. I think we value this concept, but it needs to, I mean, this is important, I, this is important stuff. I mean, we are to show unity, and so our diversity, in diversity, we should show unity. I mean, in truth, we stand by truth. I'm not saying we have to accept every false teaching that's ever out there to try and find some kind of unity. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's a unity of all people who are saved by Christ and his grace. I hope you'll reflect on that. I sure have enjoyed my time of reflecting on it this week. It's very, very important. Because the wisdom of God impacts all Christians of all times and even us today. Verses 12 and 13. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. <laughs> what a beautiful thought. In him and through faith in him, we approach God 
And we do it with freedom and confidence. What a beautiful thought. So don't be discouraged by the what's of life because you understand the why. So as we wrap this up tonight, here's just a few observations. When I am not to be captured by life's circumstances. Now, many times I am. But what I am should be is captured by the cause of Christ. And Paul points out clearly, what, you're asking, what's going on, Paul, with you being in prison? And he said, you're asking the whole... I'm in here, why? Why am I here? Not because I'm a prisoner of, because of the Jews. I am a prisoner of Christ, and I follow the cause of Christ. Paul says two times earlier in this passage that I am a prisoner of Christ, and I am a servant. Some translations even say minister, but I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I know, he knew who he was. And so in the midst of life's circumstances, don't be trapped and imprisoned by life circumstances and what's going on in your life. Instead, you are a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And in the what, look for the why. So am I caught up in the moment? Am I imprisoned by fear and uncertainty? Or am I living for Jesus through life's circumstances? I'm not captured by life's circumstances. I'm captured by the cause of Christ. Another thought that's, that struck me from this passage is the riches of, richness of God's wisdom is beyond our ability to fathom. It's just more than we can grasp. <laughs> and so I stand here trying to talk to you about the manifold wisdom of God, the many facets of God's wisdom and, and the purpose of the church. And you, you understand it's so much more. I mean, this is a weak attempt. The world likes to say that you can get there, you can get it all. Satan loves to lead us down this path of, of rationality and thinking. Here, here's an old joke, many of you have heard it before, or a little riddle. So you, just, you can answer these questions out loud. Trees that have acorns are called... This is not hard. Trees that call, have acorns are called... Oaks, socks, the sound that frogs make, croak. Funny stories are called, the whites of an egg are, not not a bill where I grew up they weren't. Whites of an egg are the whites of an egg. The yellow part, now that's called the yolk. You know, it's just a little riddle that shows you how the world conditions us for an, an answer that it expects. And so when Paul gets in prison, imprisoned, of course they're going to ask this question. What did you do wrong? Why? You know, all those questions. And Paul says, you're, you're looking at it from a worldly perspective. I'm not captured by circumstances. I've been captured by Christ Jesus and his cause and his purpose. And so we need to learn how to constantly be molded into the image of Christ. And that means things have to change. Our thinking constantly has to be renewed and revitalized and changed. I happen to personally love the map on my phone. It, it gets me places. And, and the, the newer maps, what I love about them as an app is they're constantly updated. I, I've had Garmin's for 10 or 15 years. 
And the problem with that is I didn't do my updates. And so many a times I would follow my old Garmin in my car and it would take me down, it would mislead me. It wouldn't get me where I was wanting to go because I hadn't updated it. So many of us are following paths that we learned in this world. We're stuck with what we were taught in children or years ago. And we're not constantly updating our knowledge and, and studying God's word and allow it to be living and active in our lives. That's so important because the riches of God's wisdom is so far beyond our ability to fathom. So constantly refresh, constantly update. Test what this world is saying against what God teaches. And finally, my last observation is we can walk with great confidence knowing that God's manifold wisdom is working to fulfill his plan in the midst of life's circumstances. Confidence is a key part of, of what we find here. I mean, the Gentiles need to have confidence for living. He wants them to have that confidence that he himself has. Too many times, the circumstantial evidence that is around us does not build our confidence. The circumstances around us. I mean, if you were to judge your abilities just based on circumstantial evidences, evidence, sometimes you might not feel like you can accomplish what you should. But circumstantial evidence is not always convicting or convincing. The circumstances of Paul's imprisonment are not speaking loudly of God's power and presence. But in reality, it should have been. It should have been. That's what they should have seen, that Paul was walking with this great confidence because God was working in his life. And through looking at life through the manifold wisdom of God, he could see that God is fulfilling his purpose in the midst of life's circumstances. I'm not for sure what's been going on in all of your lives this week. In our family's life, it's been a really tough one. My brother-in-law's name is Ken Parker, and uh, he has a company called Next Thought. And a week ago yesterday, his co-founder and the COO of that company um, were killed in an automobile accident. Very tragically, five young boys left in those two families. It's just been heartbreaking. And so Friday, my brother-in-law gave, uh, gave a eulogy at, at one of the men's services, and then the very next day, his, the, the two guys that died were best of friends. He gave a eulogy at Jeff Muring's funeral. Yeah, it's really hard to do to sit there and see those two families and talk to their kids and all, and, and my brother-in-law did a, just a fantastic job. Had a lot of wonderful things to say in the midst of those circumstances. But at the end of his comments yesterday, he, he said something that I, I called him today and said, can I share your thoughts? And so he sent them to me via email. And here's what he said at the very close of Jeff's funeral. Finally, Chris, a friend, texted me yesterday to look at the sunrise. Did, by the way, did y'all see that sunrise? I did. It, it was Friday sunrise. It was beautiful. As I stood on the front porch looking at the stunning and rich tapestry of the colors through tears, 
two thoughts came to me. First, the sun came out after some gloomy, rainy weather, and it was the clouds that painted the depth and color. Second, the sunrise lit up the field where Jeff and teammates would take fun breaks between their marathon programming sessions with frisbees, hacky sacks, and footballs. Like each of us, I am thankful for all our precious memories with Jeff and sad we won't be making more. Rest in peace, my beloved friend. I'm anxious to see you again. Meanwhile, down here, the sun will eventually come out again and we have much work to do. What a beautiful perspective of an unspeakable tragedy that shows a faith that there is life ahead and work to do. So what's captured you? What circumstances are holding you down? Won't you show faith that there is life ahead and there is work to do and there is God's wisdom to discover and help others to see? It's time to stand. Well, we're about to stand in just a moment. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If we can help you on your journey, we'd love to pray with you. Come alongside you. Just come and let us know. If you never put Christ on in baptism, it's time to take a stand. Submit your life to him and be baptized. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as together we stand and sing.